Good evening, and welcome to our first ever podcast called Candlelight Horror. This is Nikki. And I'm Stacy. And today we'll be reading and sharing some horror stories from online, some of our own personal stories, along with some SCP articles, with a sprinkling of two-sentence horror stories. At some point, we hope to share some of our listeners' stories, either real or written. So light a candle, turn off the lights, and settle in. And we hope you enjoy. Today we'll start off with a real story from Stacy about the little girl in her closet. So, I don't remember how old I was, do you? Uh, I would say probably about seven when it started. Really? Yeah. Okay, so one thing you all need to know is that I have terrible memory, and apparently um, I just forget everything. So I don't remember being that young when I saw the little girl. That's the first time you told me about it, is that you were about that age? But again, with your terrible memory. But if memory, I was seven, that means you were four. Yeah, I know. You didn't tell me about it for a long time. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I remember obviously being asleep and then waking up and in my bedroom my bed was on the wall opposite of my closet door which I kept open all the time as a young girl apparently uh, and when I woke up I just saw this little girl the typical long black hair white nightgown and she was just staring at me. Like her head tilted to the side a little. Um, super uncomfy. So I, I just laid back down, covered my head with my blanket, and went back to sleep. And I don't remember if it was the same night or if it was a different night. Mm. But um, I woke up again and <clears throat> sat up in bed. And that little girl was uh, standing on my ceiling. So she was looking at me upside down, head tilted to the side still. And her hair was like down, but it wasn't, it didn't obey physics or gravity. Um, and just that was super terrifying. So once again, just laid back down covered my head with the blanket, and went back to sleep. <laughs> uh, well, and the fun thing about it is, for the longest time, I, because we, we used to have, like, many sleepovers with each other mm -hmm. when we were younger, and I remember at some point, um, we had gone to bed, I was sleeping on your floor, and... Oh, that's a terrible sister. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, I looked up, and looked in the closet, and I'm like, huh, my mind might be playing tricks on me, but there's a little girl in there. Was this before or after I told you? Oh, about... you hadn't even told me yet. Oh, and no. that's why I was like, you know what? No, it's probably just my imagination. <laughs> so that's... a couple days go by, and I'm like, hey, Stacy, real weird. Um, there's this little girl in your closet. I don't know if it was a weird dream or... If it was, you know, just my mind playing tricks on me because in the middle of, you know, going to bed, Stacy gives me this horrified look because <laughs> I had never shared anything obviously like this with her before. And um, she hadn't shared any of it with me. 
and we had both seen the same thing. Sharing is caring, y'all. And uh, no, <laughs> not always. <laughs> but it was it was weird, and we did see her a couple more times after that. But I just thought that the weirdest thing was that we had never at any point told the other about it or shared any information or, you know, drawn her or told our mom that we might have overheard. And it was just very weird that we had both seen the same thing on different occasions and we could verify it with each other. Yeah, that's really creepy. Also, we lived in a new house. So it wasn't like there was some terrible history there or as far as I know, it wasn't built on any like barrel grounds or yeah, anything was, of historical significance. It was a new subdivision at the time. Yeah, we were um, like the only house on the on the street. At that point, yes. Yeah. And like I had always been kind of weeded out by the closet anyways. Um, well, that was also where the attic entrance yeah, that's was. The only entrance to, to the, the attic. attic. Yeah. And even now, we're in our 30s, and we have never gone up to check the attic because mm -hmm. we don't feel like... We don't need to. No. We don't need to. We don't need any more that, like, paranormal activity movie kind of stuff going on <laughs> no. to us. Where we get our necks snapped and and just mm -hmm. die there, and then give the reason a house to actually be haunted. So. Right. Yeah. Also sleep with your, uh, with your doors closed. Well, then they can open. Right. But I, I think... I don't... Well, no. I wouldn't want that to happen. Okay. I was going to say I would rather have them being closed and then open versus it being open already with something standing there. Because at least at least if it's closed and then it, it opens, and it op I have like a few seconds to try to do something. If I wake up and that door is open and there is an entity there, I am already out of luck. They just better be ready to throw hands. <laughs> <sighs> Bad news bears. All right. Our next article is about the S is from the SCP Foundation, which if any of um, the listeners have ever heard of it, it's the Secure, Contain, Protect, and it's basically about weird creatures, entities. Cryptids. Yeah, cryptids. They they have different class specifications, but which um, I don't really know anything about this. This is basically new to me. I'm fascinated, but also worried. As you should be. Because um, if if you know nothing of SCPs... Um, Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> but also, it's pretty well known in the canon that a lot of times they have a hard time containing the things. Because some of them you can't even look at without being attacked. So it makes it very super, difficult. Super, super great. Well, yeah, but like... For the cryptids. <laughs> well, yeah. For the, for the SCP classes. Oh. Anyways, um, so our first one is SCP-2881. Um, we actually pulled up a number generator just to see which ones we'd be reading about today, and I picked three from there. Um, this is Object Class Safe Special Containment Procedure. SCP-2881 is to remain at its current location. A chain link fence has been installed surrounding the area of SCP-2881, which is to be guarded by one security officer during all park operating hours. No unauthorized individuals are to be permitted within the area designated to SCP-2881. The description of 2881 is a member of the tree 
species Pinus ponderosa, ponderosa, it's a ponderosa pine located in Redacted National Park, Redacted. SCP-2881 measures roughly 13.9 meters at its highest point. Several planks of an unknown wood are nailed to the trunk of SCP-2881 at 5.3 meters above the ground level. I'll show you some unknown wood. I'm so sorry. Redacted. <laughs> Redacted. Oh. Given the anomalous properties of SCP-2881, it is unknown if or how they were installed. Holes are located at several points of the trunk of SCP-2881, between 12 centimeters and 3 meters from previous installations of climbing spurs. Typical of trees of its kind, SCP-2881 has no branches lower than 7 meters above ground level. SCP-2881's anomalous properties manifest at any time a human being attempts to climb it by the installation or use the climbing spikes, spurs, studs, or grips. Any individual to attempt or make vertical progress up the surface of SCP-2881 will report experiencing themselves doing so. However, on re-examination of their location, will retain their starting position. The same effect is applied to any individual watching another climb SCP-2881, either in person or on live video feed. Recorded testing played after the conclusion of a test shows subject making no effort to climb. However, all dialogue and actions unrelated to climbing remain consistent with live observation. Individuals placed on SCP-2881 at a height of 3 meters by external means reported or report feeling uncomfortable and strangely heavy. No changes in weight or gravity have ever been observed while in contact with SCP-2881. Test subjects report a greater effect at higher points on SCP-2881. Testing has not been conducted using mechanical assistance. See Incident 2881-1. That sounds ominous. Well, it's right here. <laughs> oh, no. Incident 2881-1. Foundation personnel attempted to install a pulley to a branch of SCP-2881 on the date of Redacted Redacted 89 for the purpose of testing assisted elevation. D4375 used an elevated work platform to reach a branch and install the mechanism. Upon making contact with a branch of SCP-2881, approximately 8.2 meters above ground level, D-4375 appeared to enter a trance and stopped responding to personnel. D-4375 detached himself from the platform and climbed onto the branch of SCP-2881, then proceeded to scale the branches of SCP-2881 until no longer visible to Foundation staff. All attempts to make contact... Wait, he just straight up gone? Yeah, he's gone. He's he's just... Just... <laughs> All attempts made to contact D-4375 failed. Roughly two hours later, D-4375 fell from SCP-2881 at a speed estimated to exceed terminal velocity and was oh. dead on impact with the ground. Oh, no. Not great for D-4375. Not great at all. Autopsy reports concluded that D-4375 had died several days prior by hanging from the neck. Great. Wait, what? I don't, it's all a mystery. The body had several lacerations around the face, forearms, and legs. 
testing of SCP-2881 is ongoing, although it probably shouldn't be. <laughs> what? 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 So yeah, that was our first one. This is why I don't climb trees. Well, and because you know, it's hard. We have we have adult joints now. <laughs> well, I've never climbed trees. That's weird. You're missing out. Obviously not. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe if a tree is surrounded by a fence, don't climb it. Don't climb it. That's fair. Here we go. Lesson of the day. I'm sure there will be more. Probably. While it's recording. Mm -hmm. I have to edit that out. I love you. Okay. This next story is from Reddit. And the username is postmortem33. Collecting old things has always been a passion of mine. I think I was 10 years old when my grandfather gifted me a 17th century old pocket watch. It was gold-plated. I remember that moment vividly, even to this day. I opened the birthday present, and it felt like I'd received an old, lost treasure. I carefully took it out and listened to it ticking for a few minutes. They say that if you take a shell and put it over your ear, you hear the sea, no matter how far it might be. I felt like I was transported back in time, back to the 17th century when I listened to the ticking of the old watch. I imagined all those gentlemen in their fancy suits and the ladies dressed in beautiful garments walking. I literally had a moment where I was overthinking how to say the word garment because there's an N in it. Garments. 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 <laughs> Garments. <sighs> I imagined all those gentlemen in their fancy suits and the ladies dressed in beautiful garments walking the streets or dining at expensive restaurants. That's when my passion started. I finally shifted my attention to paintings when I got older. In my mid-twenties, I bought my first one. It depicted a man sitting on a chair with a bottle in his hand. It said rum on the stamp. The man had covered his face with one hand and avoided looking at the large wall mirror in front of him. The lower half of the mirror was unclear, but on the upper part, the head of the man was depicted. He had wrinkles on his face and each line had a story to tell. The dark circles under his eyes completed the desperation and sadness inside them. His crooked teeth accompanied the gloominess of the painting as a whole. That painting reminded me of my grandfather in a way. He died of liver failure caused by excessive drinking. I loved that man so much. He was a role model for me. Sometimes, though, our demons win. I just wish he accepted our help. I stuck with paintings to this day. I always visited art galleries and antique fairs in search of new and old exciting paintings that I could add to my collection. A few days ago, I went to the weekly antique fair that I've been going to for the last 15 years. There, I met a great seller whom I befriended on the spot. He was like an encyclopedia when it came to antiques. Jonesy always cut me good deals, as I've always bought a lot of things from him. Mostly art, but I've acquired some other things too. Cutlery, old watches, old lighters, World War I and II memorabilia, and other things which I either liked very much as works of art or which had important historical value. Think it's going to rain today, Harvey? Jonesy asked me while putting an old teapot on the table. It's overcast. Yeah, I think we'll be lucky, though. You got anything for me today, Jonesy? Well, for you, I don't. I do have something for your missus. He pulled two porcelain dolls from under the table. 
a man and a woman who looked like kissing if put in front of one another. Jonesy had bought them from an old woman. She collected porcelain dolls and wanted to downsize a little bit. These two were from the late 18th century and as always, and as always, Jonesy cut me a good deal. I headed home and placed the dolls on my girlfriend's piano. She always loved surprises and I couldn't wait to see her jumping up and down in excitement when she'd see them. I've always liked buying gifts out of the blue with no special occasion for people I loved or who are very close to me. I had a few hours left until Tessa came home. I wanted to surprise her even more and cook some pasta. The entire kitchen smelled like an Italian restaurant, the savory flavor of basil floating around in the air. I'd have to lie if I say I wasn't proud of myself. When returning to the piano room, I saw that the dolls were not on the piano where I placed them. Instead, I found them on the chair. That was weird, to say the least. Not even that, but now they stood back to back, like they just had argued and didn't want to speak to each other anymore. I put them back on the piano, and I heard Tessa's keys jangling in the front door. I hugged and kissed her, but she was a bit out of it. Hard day, Tess? Yeah, they want the reports until tomorrow, and I'm not entirely done with them. Might have to work late on this tonight, she said. I'm sure you'll get them done, babe. You always do, I told her. You work so hard every time, and I even asked myself how you managed to have so much energy. Yeah, me too. I'm going to take a quick shower. Should we order some food after, or do you want me to cook something? She asked. Babe, I already took care of that. I cooked us some nice pasta. Felt a bit chefy when I came back from the fair, I said, winking at her. She smiled timidly and headed straight to the shower. While climbing upstairs, I thought to myself how much the dolls would brighten her day when she'd see them. I heard her calling me. I felt a sense of urgency in her voice. I entered the bathroom and saw her looking at the dolls. They were on the sink now. Are these for me? Y yeah, I bought them at the fair. I wanted to give you a nice gift, I said. Thank you, honey. I love them. Look how cute they are. I kissed her on the cheek and nodded. Closing the door, I asked myself if I was going crazy. I could feel something was beginning to go wrong in this house. Later on, we ate and she saw how I was tense and nervous. Are you all right, Harv? Yeah, it's just... Those dolls. I left them on the piano. I don't know how they got in the bathroom, I replied. She looked at me confused. I had never seen that look before. Uh, maybe you forgot you put them in the bathroom, she asked. No, babe, I'm not that crazy. I think something's wrong with them. I'll take them back and you buy another thing. No, they're mine, she cried. Tessa was changing. I felt that something was wrong with her. Ever since she touched those dolls, she was no longer the same. Driven by fear, I decided it was time for me to do whatever was in my power to get rid of those dolls right away. Okay, Tess, if you like them so much, you can keep them. They are my gift to you, after all, I said. I just hoped that she would fall asleep after finishing doing the reports for her work. Then I'd take them outside and throw them in the trash can. It would have been hard. Tessa seemed practically glued to them. Her lips went dry and began to crack. Her once blue eyes were now bloodshot. They were twitching violently and dark circles appeared under them. She chewed on her nails until they didn't look like nails anymore. Whenever I tried talking to her, she didn't listen to any word I said. Whenever I tried to hug her, she'd push me away. I felt like a prisoner in my own home. I was even more conflicted and scared because Tessa was herself the prisoner of those things. I couldn't call the police 
or the ambulance because they would think Tessa was crazy, or that I'm pulling pranks on the cops in the middle of the night. I kept looking at the dolls, and their faces were changing constantly, from what was happiness that I saw on the fair, to anger in the bathroom, and out of pure evil. They grinned in a way that sent a shiver down my spine. Tessa, though, took care of them as if nothing had happened. To her, they were still beautiful. I thought whatever was inside the dolls must have taken a hold of Tessa. Her priority were these damn dolls. The problem was that I fell asleep before her, just for a few moments. When I woke up, though, every light in the house was turned off. Tessa was gone. I called for her, but she was nowhere to be seen or found. I went to every room in the house to search for her. Nothing. The only place left to look was in the basement. I turned on my phone's flashlight and went down there. The air was damp, cold, and heavy. It was freezing. While moving my flashlight around, I saw Tessa standing in the far corner of the room. She was facing the wall. The dolls were standing on a shelf on her left. She was barefoot and wearing a nightgown I'd never seen before. Tessa? Honey? What are you doing? I asked. I'm talking to the dolls, Harvey. They told me you want to harm them and take them away from me that you want to throw them away like a piece of trash. I won't let you do that, she replied. Her head suddenly tilted back and she looked at me. I heard her neck bones cracking and her eyes had no color in them anymore. They were devoid of life and humanity. Moving the flashlight down to her hands, I saw that she held a large kitchen knife. I shivered and a lump formed in my throat. Heart racing, I barely had the mental clarity to find my words. Tess, what, what are you doing with that knife? She didn't reply. Letting out a high-pitched scream, she started running towards me. I knew she didn't want to hurt me. Whatever influence these dolls had on her was what made her act like this. This needed stopping as soon as possible, or both our lives would be over. I ran so fast up the stairs and didn't look back. I just heard her screaming laughs echo throughout the house. Heart wanting to burst out of my chest, I went inside the piano room. Come out, Harvey. I won't hurt you. I just want to talk, she said. Her behavior terrified me. My mouth was dry, and it was very hard for me to swallow. I have never seen her acting like this. I played a few notes to draw her attention. The key was still inside the door lock, and I wanted to lock her in there so I can go back to the basement. There, I take those damn dolls, get the lighter and filler from the garage, take them in the backyard, and burn them. I took the key and hid behind the door. Tessa was coming in fast footsteps towards the room. Come out, Harvey. I won't hurt you. I just want to talk. She kept repeating that, like a broken record, again and again. Sweat came down my temples. I watched as she opened the door. The knife was the first thing I saw. Its blade shined in the night, screaming for blood to be shed. I thought that if I pushed the door, Tessa would be caught off guard. She groaned when it hit her. Her appearance worsened. The eyes were now filled with blood, and the dark circles under them were even darker than before. The nails she bit on earlier were bloody now. She chewed on them until they started bleeding. She looked like something was consuming her, taking over her body and eating away at her spirit. Her hair was all wet, and her whole demeanor was not natural. She looked at me, but she didn't run anymore. She slowly walked towards me, knife in her hand. I could hear her bones cracking with each step she took. She lunged at me, knocking me down. I saw stars when my head hit the floor. I came back to it pretty fast, but she jumped on top of me. She rose the knife 
and dropped it with formidable speed into my right shoulder. Blood stained my white shirt and the pain was something like nothing I'd ever felt before. I screamed and she just laughed. Those cursed dolls were driving her insane. She played with a knife for a little in the fresh wound, twisting and turning it like a maniac. I felt like my life was soon to be over. She took it out and again rose it above her head, holding it with two hands. I placed the palm of my left hand above my face. It pierced through and the blood fell on my face like the droplets of summer rain. In a rush of adrenaline, I grabbed her wrist with my other hand and squeezed as hard as I could. I pushed her over, managing to get up, I got the knife, ran, and locked the door from the outside. Tessa started banging on the door, and it looked like she'd eventually break it down. My time was limited, and the only purpose I'd had in life at that very moment was to get rid of these porcelain dolls. I limped towards the basement. My right shoulder was torn to shreds, and my left hand had an approximately three-inch long slit in it. I left a blood trail behind, and this was probably the scariest thing I'd ever experienced in my entire life. I asked myself if the dolls would still be there on the shelf. They moved as they pleased throughout the house earlier in the day. I shuddered at the thought. I descended the basement stairs. My phone was on the ground, flashlight pointed upwards. When I picked it up, the light began flickering. Pointing it to the shelf, I saw the dolls with their jaw dropped. They looked as if they'd seen something horrible, a thing that they couldn't believe was happening. Still here, you bastards. I'll take good care of you. See this? And this? I told them, showing them my wounds. You did this, you goddamn monsters. The moment I grabbed them, Tessa screamed at me to let them go. I limped back to the main floor and stopped in front of the piano room door. My blood colored the dolls, coating them in the crimson liquid almost completely. Tess, you know I love you, right? I have to do this for both of us. Look what they've done to you. To us, I said. You're a monster and I hate you. Why don't you leave them alone? Why did you take them away from me? Why do you want to kill them? She cried, banging her fists against the door. Honey, Tessa, you are not well. You haven't been since you've seen these things, I said, leaving. Tessa started banging on the door violently. She screamed at me not to do it. I first went into the garage. I took the lighter and a gas filler for it. I grabbed those and went to the backyard. I doused the dolls in gasoline and set them ablaze. What you doing, Carl? It's kind of late for a barbecue. Shh. It's never too late for a demon barbecue. <laughs> nosy neighbors. <laughs> I doused the dolls in gasoline and set them ablaze. Their faces continued to morph as they were burning in the flames. They went from violent anger to fear to grief and ultimately to something that resembled hate. Porcelain has a high tolerance to heat so the only things that burned were the hair and clothes. The remains were horrible to look at. I crushed them under my foot until there was nothing but bits and pieces. I collected what was left and put it in a jar which I filled with dirt. I then took it outside in the trash can. I returned to the piano room and found Tessa laying on the floor unconscious. I shook her and she woke up after a few minutes. What? Harvey, what happened to you? Oh my god, you're hurt! She screamed when she saw my wounds and the blood-soaked clothes. You don't remember anything, I asked? No. Something was wrong with those dolls, Tessa. They did horrible things to you. It was like they made you listen to them and follow what they said, I told her. Her appearance was back to normal now. No bloodshot eyes, no dark circles under her eyes, no blood on her nails. I continued telling her the rest of the story in minute detail. Everything that had happened. 
She started crying and told me that she was sorry. I told her it wasn't her fault. She helped me by patching my wounds and we just laid in bed. Of course, we couldn't sleep for the following nights. Every creak and every noise in the house made us question everything. Sometimes Tessa managed to catch some shut-eye for a few minutes. She always woke up immediately screaming. Those dolls were giving her nightmares still. I mean, how couldn't they? Even if this was the scariest experience in both me and Tessa's lives, it also made us stronger. It united us more. Today, I was finally able to get out of the house. It felt good inhaling the fresh morning air. I wanted to surprise Tessa and bought her flowers and chocolate. Those never fail. One strange thing happened when I came back home. As I was walking on the sidewalk, I saw the trash men collecting trash from each house. I waved at them and smiled when they picked up mine. I swear to God that when the rear loader dumped the trash into the hopper, I saw the same two dolls I'd burned between the trash bags. And this is why you don't buy dolls. Especially, like, old, historical porcelain dolls. Like, okay, I think they're beautiful. Some of them. Some of them are beautiful. But I don't want, I don't want them in my house. Mm -mm. I mean, like, because I have BJDs. We should probably tell them what that means. Ball-jointed dolls. <laughs> it, they're ball-jointed dolls uh, made of, like, resin, usually. Not blowjobs, Dave. Mm -hmm. Who's Dave? <laughs> but, like, that, those never really creeped me out as much. Granted, if they started moving, that's a different story. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't be able to stop me from burning them. Yeah. So that's the only proper way to deal with demons. Mm -hmm. Or dolls. Or demon dolls. Doll demons? Alright. And our next one is another number-generated SCP Foundation article. This one is for SCP-1727. Object class, safe. Special containment procedures. SCP-1727 is to be contained in a high-capacity containment vault located on Site 77's Safe SCP Wing. A pool large enough to encompass the mess of vehicles used in testing is to be kept in this containment chamber, being maintained daily by Foundation personnel. The area SCP-1727 was discovered in has been purchased by Foundation front organizations, with all nearby buildings being demolished. Description. SCP-1727 is a redacted, redacted, brand portable car wash manufactured in 1999. The exterior is painted blue with a logo from a non-existent CRSHCRS corporation printed on the side. SCP-1727's interior components match those found in the other Redacted, redacted, brand portable car washes. When a vehicle enters SCP-1727, it will be cleaned normally by SCP-1727's components. The driver can select from several options to change the way their vehicle will be cleaned. A button at the bottom is labeled Open Scrub Cleaning, which costs twice as much as the other options. If the last option is selected, cleaning instruments will hold the vehicle in place and the roof portion of SCP-1727 will open via an unknown mechanism. Following this, the vehicle will be catapulted upward at an angle. SCP-1727 will then dispense a receipt with a personalized message. And then it has access example documentation. 
Vehicles launched by SCP-1727 will continue being propelled through the air until they pass a source of water large enough to enclose them. Note that these vehicles do not follow a normal arc, but will continue moving through the air at the same speed until a suitable water source is located. These can be locations such as oceans, lakes, rivers, aquifers, or bodies such as swimming pools, fish tanks, and clouds. Clouds? Well, that's a bummer for the person inside. Kind of cute, in a terrifying way. Using SCP-1872, which apparently is a school bus, will not affect a vehicle's trajectory or velocity. After reaching their destinations, vehicle will decelerate normally. Drivers do not typically survive impacts. SCP-1727 was discovered after reports of vehicles hurtling through clouds were reported by passengers on civilian aircrafts. <laughs> Imagine a school bus. Quite literally, like, it's a bus! It's a fucking bus! <laughs> okay. Initially classified as an extra-normal event, further investigation was conducted after reports of a vehicle impacting the redacted military testing course reached Foundation assets in the U.S. Army. A cover story regarding local pranksters was disseminated, with SCP... 1727 being classified as safe on 11-17-2000. Incident 1727-1. During testing on 11-16-02, a vehicle launched by SCP-1727 was not found. No reports matching SCP-1727's effect has been found. As of 4-14-2009 has not reappeared. The receipt printed message by SCP-1727 has been made available in this report. Following is that report. Oops. <laughs> so, it has a sense of humor. I like it. Yeah, well, yeah. I wonder if you washed a person in it, if it would do the same thing. I wish to be yeeted, 1727. Yeet me. What was it? Yeet the rich? Yes. Trebuchets? Mm. Hell yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to read uh, a couple two-sentence horror stories because they are my favorite. I can't move, breathe, speak, or hear. And it's so dark all the time. If I knew it would be this lonely, I would have been cremated instead. That one always makes me, like, heebie-jeebies. The doctors told the amputee he might experience a phantom limb from time to time. Nobody prepared him for the moments, though, when he felt cold fingers brush across his phantom hand. I wanna hold your hand. But, like, go ahead. <clears throat> I wonder if the Grim Reaper has to, like, deliver dead body parts, too. <laughs> so, like, he's like, well, damn. <laughs> I wonder if you get discounts for cremations if it's not a full body. Like, what if you have... You're, you're, what if like, you lost your whole ass leg? <clears throat> yeah. It has to be, like, at least $25 off. Right, something. Something. If there's any people who are in the cremation industry who are listening, we'd really appreciate some answers, because I'm genuinely curious. Can I do the one more? Yeah. 
Growing up with cats and dogs, I got used to the sounds of scratching at my door while I slept. Now that I live alone, it is much more unsettling. Not great. Phantom cats. Phantom kitties. All right. Our next story is a real story. It is my story. This is about a book I found in our school parking lot when I was in high school. The book itself is... This is Nikki speaking, by the way. What's up? <laughs> um, the book title is Real Ghosts, Restless Spirits, and Haunted Places. By? So, uh, by Brad Steiger. Steiger? Any Hoosers. So, uh, first of all, obviously the demons know how to catch my attention because I'm a, I'm a slut for horror things. Um, take it home. It's a book that claims to be from the library that my school's from. Um, went back later to see if it was missing, and they're like, oh, we don't have that book. This is a high school. Even though literally you open the cover, and in the upper right-hand corner it says, it says our high school's name. It's great. Any hoosers. So, my sister and I, again, sluts for... Uh, horror, spooky things. Spooky things. Mm -hmm. um, we decide to thumb through the book. We start reading it. Um, the first parts, because we read, we read through a couple of the things, and there there's some horror stories, whatnot. Um, we just skipped around at the beginning, and then we're like, you know what? We should read through this whole book. So let me actually bring it to the front because we still have it. Because no matter how many times I tried to get rid of it, it just keeps coming back. It's great. Um, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, because uh, I threw it away at mom's house. Cool, 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 cool. And then I found it in the in the family room. Uh-huh. And then I um, thought I had I'd had uh, put it in like the donate bin at mom's. Uh, found it back in my room, so that was exciting. Um, let me find what page it's on, because we started reading the contents. Wait, was that, was that it? No. So I saw a picture of a priest, that's why. Fuck priests. So, <clears throat> we started reading the book from the beginning. The first chapter is Haunted Houses and Apartments. I'm like, cool, whatever. We read it for a bit. And we're well, like... We read the whole chapter. Well, yeah. We, we read up until chapter four. And we'll tell you why. So... Haunted houses and apartments. We lived up until we were 18 with our, our mom. And she doesn't believe in any sort of supernatural stuff, so... As far as I know, she doesn't. Right. And she'd probably call us dumb for believing it anyways. She's, she's a she mad woman. She'd just tell us we would have to pray more or something. Ew. Um, so we started reading the, the book. And we felt like we were starting to hear some weird things in our apartment when we were trying to sleep. Well, in our house. Sorry. We've lived in many apartments since. <laughs> we started to hear some strange sounds while we were trying to sleep at, at, at our home. And we're like, you know what? That's a little weird. We're probably just, you know, overthinking it, whatever. We just scared ourselves, spooked ourselves a bit. Right. We started <laughs> having some weird dreams, you know, normal stuff that kids have. Um, so the second chapter we read 
was encounters with glowing entities and ghost lights. Some people would call these orbs or people would say that they were like lights that they would see of, you know, people that they had lost. Um, and then we, like the dumbasses we are, we went up to one of the colleges that was close to our, our house. home mm -hmm. and we were taking pictures in the cemetery like you do. <laughs> <laughs> and we noticed in a lot of the pictures, we saw all these orbs everywhere, and it was really cool. We're like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, so we started reading the next chapter, Poltergeists, Unwelcome House Guests. And then we started to notice things in the house just moving around. And at some point, something had fallen off of my sister's dresser. She ran up to my room, and she's like, you know, this is really weird, uh, but it seems like things are progressing in the order of the book. And so our last chapter that we did not read was Shadow Beings That Attacked. So And that's just no thank you. You know, I, I just feel like that was a wise choice. <laughs> and I've had this book for probably close to 12 years now. Maybe yeah, definitely. No, over 14 years. I was going to say, definitely over a decade. Um, we haven't read any more of it, but at this point, uh, I feel like it's pointless to try to get rid of it because it's probably going to wind up back here at some point um but yeah you know if, if you guys have ever, ever read it I, I would say it's probably not bad to give it a read there are a couple horror stories in it that are pretty cool i would say horror stories but like live like accounts live accounts yeah like it's good it's just it was really weird and we didn't appreciate it so uh we stopped reading in the order we figured it was safer to do it out of order and read little bits here and there, but never too far or too long, because then weird things start happening again, so we kind of left it at that. Alrighty, so this is another story from Reddit. The user is Unathana, I think. Sorry if we butchered that, but it's also a post that's like six years old. Yeah. Okay. Oldie but goodie. Oldie but a goodie. When I was young... I often spent parts of summers with my grandmother in her home out in the country. It was my favorite place in the world, and I always looked forward to the week-long stays of gardening, baking, late-night fires with s'mores and ghost stories, and enjoyed having my grandmother all to myself. There was a pond not far from her house where I would sometimes go to swim. It was home to quite a few frogs, and at night they made the most incessant noises. I complained to my grandmother only once, saying I couldn't enjoy the night breeze with all that racket. She took me on her lap and told me a story about an old man and woman who lived near a lake. The old man couldn't stand the singing of the frogs, but his wife told him that they kept the wendigo away, and to harm them would be unwise. Well, he didn't listen, and set about methodically catching all the frogs on the lake. It was a process that took some time, but he did not stop until he had rid the lake of the pesky amphibians. That night, without the protection of the frogs, he and his wife were slaughtered by the wendigo, a vicious, whip-like demon creature with elongated fingers ending in razor-sharp talons and rows of silver teeth as thin and keen as needles. I wrote it off as another one of her ghost stories, though she seemed more serious than usual about it. I never complained about the frogs again, mostly because I grew to enjoy them and put the story out of my mind. In fact, I'd forgotten all about it until it came up this past spring in a Native American literature class I was taking in college. 
The mention of the Wendigo sparked that old memory of my grandmother's story. I thought she had made up the word. I didn't realize there were stories about it, originating in Algonquian legends. Eager to connect something from my childhood to the topic, I googled it, only to find that my grandmother had apparently been mistaken. There was nothing I could find about the story she had told me, nor any references of frogs providing protection from the Wendigo. In fact, the Wendigo of legend seemed very little like my grandmother's version. They were said to be insatiable, craving human flesh, and sometimes created from the forms of people who had resorted to cannibalism to survive. Descriptions varied, but they sounded almost nothing like my grandmother's boogeyman version. I actually chuckled as I read it, almost a bit embarrassed by how badly my grandmother had messed up the original tale. I changed residences this summer, moving to a newly built 1,000 square foot on each side duplex on the edge of town. The other side is to be occupied by my landlady, who'd had the place built. However, she isn't scheduled to move the rest of her stuff in and begin living there for a couple more weeks. She's waiting for her lease to end. Even though my new place is only a few minutes from the edge of town, it feels much more isolated. I enjoy the seclusion of my new home and its proximity to a more natural setting. I'm surrounded by woods, and from my patio I can even see a pond beyond the carefully landscaped lawn which is meticulously carved out from the surrounding woodlands. Just like the pond near my grandmother's house, the frogs have put up a ferocious racket lately. I prefer not to pay to run my air conditioning if I can help it, so I have every window open to catch a breeze. That means I can hear them as clearly as if I was standing on the water's edge. It took a few days to get used to the noise, but I'm fine now, just like I was those summers when I was young. In fact, the noise has been comforting to me during the stress of the move. Tonight is different. I find myself standing in my living room, staring at where the pond is, though I can't see it in the dark. The air is eerily still and oppressively warm, but all my windows are shut and I feel impossibly cold. I'd long convinced myself that my grandmother's story had been a silly tale, a twisting of an old legend by irreverent storytellers, but for some reason I have the most overwhelming sense of dread growing in the pit of my stomach. I don't know what to do. I'm trapped. Leaving my house means braving the darkness beyond my home, and I don't know if I'm going to be safe in here either. The frogs have stopped singing. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Alright, so our next one is our final SCP entry for SCP-4821, another number generated one. This one is SCP-4821, Object Class, Keter. Special Containment Procedures. Foundation personnel are to track down any civilians who have reported seeing an entity matching the description of SCP-4821. Civilians and instances of SCP-4821-1 will be interviewed and amnesticized. Instances of SCP-4821-1 who are minors are to be returned to their legal guardians. Description: SCP-4821 is a presumably extra-universal humanoid entity capable of several reality-altering effects. SCP-4821 stands 10 meters tall and proportionally resembles an androgynous, prepubescent human child. Wearing Did you just say 10 meters tall? Yes. Okay. Wearing tattered clothing. In addition, 
SCP-4821's face is entirely smooth and featureless, with the exception of two large circular lights which act as its eyes. Cool. It sounds adorable, but I'm sure it's horrifying. I mean, ten meters tall, Nikki. That's, that's horrifying. <laughs> SCP-4821's body and clothing virtually appear to be made of several miniature galaxies, but their actual composition is unknown. On its left ring finger is what appears to be a non-anomalous leather bag, which contains several blankets, ice packs, and a single stuffed cow plush. <laughs> Adorable. To date, all known SCP-4821 manifestations occur when one or more human beings between the ages of 8 and 21 attempt to flee from their adult caretakers with no intent to return. Hereafter, designated instances of SCP-4821-1. All instances of SCP-4821-1 have so far suffered from forms of physical or emotional abuse from their adult caretakers. SCP-4821 will ignore any non-hostiles that attempt to interfere or interact with it after its manifestation, save for any instances of SCP-4821-1. Anyone who attempts an action it deems hostile towards SCP-4821 or any SCP-4821-1 instances will be rendered unconscious upon approach and will only awaken after SCP-4821 demanifests. Any machinery used with hostile intent towards SCP-4821 or SCP-4821-1 instances will malfunction until its demanifestation. Upon manifestation, SCP-4821 will begin to speak in an unidentified language to the instance or instances of SCP-4821-1, while gesturing with its hands and offering items from its bag. Instances of SCP-4821-1 who are recovered after an encounter with SCP-4821 claim that they did not know what SCP-4821 was saying, but could interpret from context clues such as hand motions or crude drawings traced in the ground. Should the instance or instances of SCP-4821-1 remain in the presence of SCP-4821 until it finishes gesturing and speaking, SCP-4821 will lay its right hand, palm up, on the ground. Should an instance of SCP-4821-1 climb on SCP-4821's hand, SCP-4821 will express satisfaction and joy before demanifesting with the instance or instances. Should an instance of SCP-4821-1 leave SCP-4821, SPC-4821 will demanifest without it. Instances of SCP-4821-1 who chose to go with SCP-4821 will appear in a different habitat. Will appear in a different hab hmm. habitable 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 habitable. <laughs> Habitable. Habitable. <laughs> you can keep that in. That's great. Will appear in a different habit. Habitable. Habitable. I'm so sorry. That is hilarious. Habitable. <laughs> Instances of SCP 4821 1. <laughs> Do you want me to read that line? No. Okay. <laughs> Instances of SCP-4821-1 who choose to go with SCP-4821 will appear in a different... Hospitable? Habitat. Habitable. 
will appear in a different habitable location within 24 hours of demanifestation, often a city or town, though occasionally aboard a ship or on an aircraft. Instances of SCP-4821-1 will not have any memory of where they were for the last 24 hours, but do remember their encounter with SCP-4821. Should instances of SCP-4821-1 take too long to decide between going with SCP-4821 or staying, SCP-4821 will begin to act erratically, showing signs of distress. After approximately 10 minutes, two large arms composed of similar material as SCP-4821 will appear behind SCP-4821, pulling it backwards into the air and demanifesting with it. Addendum. On 9-28, redacted, the Ethics Committee made a formal request to alter the containment procedures to anonymously report guardians of SCP-4821-1 instances to Child Services rather than returning the instances to their legal guardian after amnesticization. I'm probably butchering that word. In addition, they requested that attempts to physically contain SCP-4821 itself should be halted as all previous attempts have resulted in failure. The Ethics Committee argued this alteration would reduce resource drain on the Foundation and manifestations of SCP-4821 in the future. The request is currently being processed and had better go through. Sorry, that last little part was me. It should it should go through. It should go through, yeah. It's a 10-meter friendly giant. Like, they just want what's best for, for the kids. See, I'm more sad that I... And no longer within the age bracket to see this Same. beautiful creature. I, I would love to be offered a cow, a cow plushie. Right, and or free air travel. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. I mean, possibly. Or, you know, just in a random city somewhere. So that's not great. Hopefully with the same language. Like, don't... You know what? Drop me in a random country. I don't care. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> You're too old now. Yeah, I'm too old. It doesn't matter. It's fine. What a sweet little baby. Right. Well, big baby. See, some of the Keter class are weird or bad-ish. But this one's nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. I feel like they shouldn't waste any resources trying to, trying to like, hold on to it. It's just doing good. It's doing its job better than some of the people in the, uh... Child Protective Services? Yeah. 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 Alright, and the last story of the night is going to be um, Stacy's story. It's <laughs> about... What? Stacy's story. Stacy's story. <laughs> and about... What was it? Boot, boot steps? Boot. Or footsteps? It was, it was, yeah. Basically. Footfalls. Footfalls. Alrighty, so... I think I was in a, I, th I think I was in about fifth grade or so, maybe sixth, but I went to a friend of mine's for a sleepover, and you know my mom or my dad, I don't remember who, uh, they dropped me off, and bye, have a good time, bye, have fun. Okay, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good time. I mean, it wasn't the worst time, but it was a scary time. But did you ever go back? No. Then it wasn't a good time. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but 
we were hanging out in my friend's room, listening to some country music. Gross. <laughs> and I think we were like flipping through a magazine or a book or something. Um, you know, had dinner with their family, went back to their room, kept on listening to music. And before we knew it, it was after midnight. Um, her all good horror stories start. Right. It was after midnight. Her parents, actually her, only her mother was home. So her mother was home. She said goodnight to us. And then she walked down the hallway. And this part still weirds me out about this, like, family dynamic. She locked her bedroom door. The mother did. And, well, she she would knock, she would lock the bedroom door with all the pets inside so that um, they wouldn't be running around the house causing mayhem. Or getting killed by, you know, spirits. Yeah, you know, that too. Listen, give me a dog. Give me a dog. Or a cat. A dog that loves me. A cat that loves me. And they, we will have each other's back. I don't need you, mom. Give me a dog. A greedy bitch. Give me a cat. (laughs) But, anyway... Midnight comes, and like I said, the so at the end of the hallway is her parents' bedroom. And from that end of the hallway, I begin to hear heavy boot steps. And like I mentioned previously, her mom was the only one that's at home, so her dad was... Are you saying that women can't wear boots, Stacy? That's a lie. Yeah, no. That's a good point. Inadvertently gendered. <laughs> he gendered a ghost. We gendered a ghost. Okay, he, f- they, they felt very masculine. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it was a dude. I'm not saying it was a lady. They felt very masculine in their presence. But I, we started hearing heavy boot steps at the end of the hallway by her mother's bedroom. And it's just very slow, very purposeful steps. So, like, step, step, step. And I, I took notice of the noise, remember that the mom was already asleep. So I turned around, and we were laying on her bed, facing the wall, away from the door. Is the door open at this point? The door's open. That's great. So it's, it's a great time. What have we learned about doors, Stacy? Keep them closed. <laughs> ah, yes. So, ah. We've gone full circle. Full circle. Uh, so I look over my shoulder, and I'm just hearing these boot steps come closer and closer and closer to the bedroom. <clears throat> and me and my friend are both looking over our shoulders now. And... We, I didn't see anything. There was nothing physically there. But I heard the boot steps step in front of the door. And there was this squeak of rubber. Like they were pivoting. And I just felt a gaze. Like, you know, when you're facing away from somebody and you feel like someone's staring at you. You're like, your your neck tingles. Like when you get up and late at night and uh, you're, you're in the fridge and you feel feel a gaze and it's your mom staring at you from the little ledge <laughs> and you shit yourself 
It's horrifying because she's so small. And she's so quiet. So quiet. Oh my god. We were late night snackers and our mom is a... Were? Are. We are late night snackers and my mom was a very light sleeper, apparently, and so, so quiet. It was so scary whenever... Because it would always be like a little of the stairs. Mm-hmm. It would be when she was already up there watching us. Yeah, because then she's like, you know what? It's taking too long. I'm going to make a noise so that she looks. <laughs> yep, there it is. Anyways, footsteps. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, oh, being stared at. Yes. So I, I, I felt something staring at us. And then it, the boots squeaked again. And it started walking down the hallway towards the kitchen. Which is in like an L shape from the hallway it was walking down. And so we hear the bootsteps walk into the kitchen. And me. Also a late night snacker. I don't know, man. (laughs) Me being an idiot, uh, I run because I'm curious. I hear steps. I felt someone staring at me. There's nobody there. I want to see what's up. Very dumb child. But it's okay. I mean, I'm still here. So Otherwise, how would we have so many good stories? Right. Yeah, I have to be an idiot. That's why you guys get stories. Uh, so I, I run. I run to the end of the hall, and I stop right at that threshold between the hallway and then the tile of the kitchen. And I'm looking around. Nobody's there. And the moment I step from hallway to kitchen, all of the doors of the cabinets swing open and I don't know why this didn't scare the shit out of me I was more like how did this happen this this is a prank guys where are the cameras (laughs) yeah yeah like where's the wires where's the camera crew am I being punked right now so I'm looking around the kitchen like a slow from left to right side and say you're panning (laughs) yeah I was panning the room The room with pants. The room with pants. Uh, So as I'm looking from left to right, um, I don't notice this, but my friend does. There was a pile of dishes on the top shelf of the cabinet on the left that was being slowly inched forward. And it wasn't until, you know, my friend pushed me into the kitchen further to get me out of the way of the pile of dishes coming at my head. So that was fun. So we scream, we run, and we are pounding. So out of the pan and into the fire? Uh, Shut up, Vicky. Yeah, basically. And the hoosers. We we run to her mom's room. We are pounding on her door. And she kind of wakes up, opens the door. She's like, what? What's going on? What's up? Why are you waking me up? It's very late. We tell her everything. She goes into the kitchen. She sees the mess of plates. And she assumes, I mean, rightfully so, I am a late night snacker. But she assumed that we were trying to climb the counter to get the plates so we can make a snack. First of all, I don't need a plate. Yeah. I have I have nature's plate right here. It's my hand. I don't need... Anyway. This woman, and this is probably why I didn't go back. This woman made us sleep in the living room adjacent to the kitchen 
there were no doors for us to close. Well, also, uh, she didn't make you do shit. What is she gonna do? Come out of her locked room to check to see if you guys aren't in the bedroom? That's fair. Um, so here I was a down. rule abider as a young child. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, now, not so much. But... I promise we don't do a bunch of legal stuff. It just sounds like we do. because yeah. <laughs> We sound cooler than we are. Anarchy. 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 Go ahead. What was I? Made you sleep outside. Oh, yes. She made us sleep in the living room adjacent to the kitchen. There was no doors for us to close. And, I mean, it took forever for us to fall asleep. I think the sun was already starting to shine through the windows before I even nodded off. Yeah, where it's, that's when it's safe. Right. I guess. But then I was woken up very, very soon after because there was bacon. <laughs> oh, that's a good way to wake up. I mean, that's true. Um, but if, if I remember correctly, I think you told me later that you found out from her that part of the reason why she assumes there's activity is yeah. because it was built. Yeah, the house was built. Um, the railroad or the underground railroad? Yeah, it was. She said that part of the house's history was it was part of the underground railroad. I didn't research it, I didn't look it up, and now it's been too long for me to know where the house is for me to look it up, or if there's a historical plaque there. Because if I remember correctly, I don't I don't think it was a historical house. Because usually they have to keep it to a certain, like, specifications. Mm. Um, I didn't remember seeing any plaques in the front yard or anything like that either. Well, to be fair, depending on how long they've had the house... They may not have been like, oh, yes, this was the house. If that was part of the underground railroad, maybe it was just something they kept in the family. I mean, maybe. That, that's true. It could but have also been. probably unlikely. Right, but it definitely lend itself, lent itself to the spookiness. But, yeah, I didn't go back. Um, didn't sleep over at her house anymore. She, she did come over and slept at our house once. I wonder if she saw the little girl. Maybe. We did, like, a, a blood bond, a sister blood bond thing. That's dumb. And then guess what? We don't talk. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. Probably. You switched it with mine, so now we talk, and then she can go <laughs> fuck herself. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was messed up. Well, if you're listening, old friend of Stacy's who probably lied about the Underground Railroad, I'm her sister now. You were always my sister. Yeah, well, that bitch can fuck herself. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, that wraps up the first episode of Candlelight Horror. Um, we hope you enjoyed it, and maybe we'll see you next time. If you do have any stories um, that you want to send in, we may get a few. Who knows? We'll, we'll read them and give you a shout-out. Um, if you want a shout-out. You can send any of those stories to candlelighthorror at gmail.com. That's C-A-N-D-L-E-L-I-G-H-T-H-O-R-R-O-R at gmail.com. But that'll wrap it up for tonight. And if your candle's still lit, go ahead and blow that sucker out. And we will see you next time. Have a good night.